Yeah. Don't you worry about you. It won't be permanent. You want to see something permanent? Boom, boom, boom. Hey, who? You want to feel something permanent? Just put your hand underneath my cap. Just be a little lump. Knock on all on St. Paddy's Day, Boston. I got that beat. I got that beat. Some moray eel. Fit right through my wetsuit. Well, nope, no, listen, I don't know about that, but I entered an arm wrestling contest in Loki Bar in San Francisco. You see this? Now I can't extend that. You know why? Got to the semifinal, celebrating my third wife's demise. Big Chinese fella, he pulled me right off. me when I was taking samples. I got something for you. That's the thresher. You see that? Chief Thresher's tail. Thresher? It's a shark. You want to drink? Drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink to our legs. <laughs> okay. I got the creme de la creme. Right here. Hold on. Hey, you see that? You're wearing a sweater. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. <laughs> All right. So just in case you didn't know, what you just watched was a scene from the 1975 movie Jaws. How many of you have seen it? How many of you had no idea right then what you were watching? So just in case you didn't know, to bring you up to speed, that's what the scene was. And in it, you see boat captain Quint and scientist Matt Hooper comparing scars on their bodies that they had gained over the years of their work in the ocean and telling stories about how they ended up getting them. They sounded like they were having a good time. So I want to join in on the fun with them a little bit. You probably can't see it. And if you want to come up to me afterwards and look, you can. But right here on my thumb, fairly recent one. From a couple of weeks ago, me and Brother Matt went fishing together, and I hooked a fish, and we got it in the boat. I reached down to try and take the hook out of its mouth. Right here's where the hook went in. Right there's where the hook went out. Into my finger, all the way through the skin, out the other side. Great stuff. One more while we're on the topic. I know you can't see this one. You can come see it after service if you want to, though. Right here on the side of my foot. You might can see it. About a year ago now, I guess. It's been a while. We were standing in the kitchen at home, man. I actually were. And I was doing something. I had my knife out. I was working on something. And I had folded it back up to put it back on the counter. And it slipped out of my hand. And somehow in the process, it unfolded, fell straight down on top of my toe, cut it wide open, bled like crazy. It was unbelievable. Like I had blood on top of my knee. It got on my shirt. Somehow, I don't know how, but it's been a year ago and that scar is still there. Most of us, if asked, would readily admit that we've got scars 
in our life. So tonight we kick off a new series that hinges off that subject, Scarred. And you probably got some stories of your own. And most of us, I think, would admit from the get-go that we've got some scars in the physical sense. Some of you ran through the house as a kid when you were told not to, and you're scarred because of it. Some of you had a trampoline, and you're scarred. Some of you thought you were Tony Hawk on your bicycle or your skateboard, and now you're scarred. Some of you came home at 10 when your parents were expecting you to come home at 12, and you walked in, and now you're scarred. You get, some of y'all will get it a little bit later. But there's all kinds of various scars that can take place in our lives. And so we've got scars, and they're ugly. And so for the most part, we do the best that we can to cover them up. But what most of us won't so easily admit is that we have internal scars too. Emotional scars, mental scars. Scars that resulted from bad decisions. Scars that resulted from words that were said about you or words that were said to you. Scars that resulted from abuse, that resulted from relationships, that resulted from addictions. And they're super ugly too, so we keep them covered, not letting anyone see or know what hurt us to produce the scar. But what I want you to see is that, like in the video, like what I showed you on my thumb, on my big toe, your scars tell a story. Your scars tell a story. And as we impact some things over the next few weeks, I want you to consider something. What if we stopped covering our scars and let those stories be told? If you have your Bibles, flip open to the book of Exodus. Pretty easy find. It's just the second book. Exodus chapter 2. And then you can go over to Genesis chapter 37 and mark your spot there because we're going to end up there a little bit later too in this story. But what if we stopped covering our scars and let their story be told? Over our next gatherings together, I want to help you see some of the stories that your scars can tell. And at the very beginning of this is pain. And so to start with, your scars tell a story of pain. And for a moment, I want us to look together tonight at the subject of our message, and I want to speak to you from this subject, the pain of being wounded. And scars don't just show up on their own. Something had to happen. Something had to happen that produced that scar in your life. Something had to happen that caused you hurt, something that caused you pain, you were wounded, and now you're left with a scar. And so I want you to understand, I'm not trying to undermine the pain that your scars have produced in your life. That's not what this night is about. And it's going to be kind of a heavy topic to start out with. But I need you guys to stay with me, and I need you to stay with me and committed to the entirety of this series because you'll see it has a point behind it. But your scars have produced real pain in your life, and nobody's trying to minimize that tonight. Not in any way, form, or fashion. We've all got scars that we've bared that have caused immense pain sometimes in our life, and some of us are still dealing with the pain that has come from the wounds that we have experienced in our life. So don't hear me try to minimize that tonight because I'm not. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to follow two different narratives between Moses and Joseph. Two different people, two different stories, both equally scarred. And the pain of being wounded, what I want to show you tonight is that it, it can 
be looked at in a couple of different categories. The first of which, the scars that you have can come from wounds inflicted by self. So Moses, if you don't know a little bit of his story, about the time that he was born, the Israelites were under Egyptian bondage. And as they were being born, Pharaoh became concerned that the Israelites were becoming too numerous. So he came up with this grand idea that all the male children that were born would be killed. And so when Moses was born, his mother didn't want him to be killed, so she took him and she hid him. And Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, and she ended up taking care of him and raising him in Pharaoh's house. And Moses began to form a good relationship with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gave him some authority, gave him some leadership over his kingdom. And Moses is walking around one day, and he has an encounter that we're going to see here in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. So look at the text with me. God's Word says that one day when Moses had grown up, he had went out to his people. Remember, he's a Hebrew. He's not an Egyptian. He's an Israelite. He had went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. So he saw an Egyptian mistreating one of his own people. And he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. Some of the scars we have in our lives come as a result of self-inflicted wounds and pain. Not every scar that you bear is because of some tragedy or some trial or something that somebody else has done to you. We've got scars of our own makings. Things that we have done that produce pain, that produce wounds in our lives, and they've now scarred over. And these wounds carry a distinct kind of pain. Highlighted by some things that I want to show you as we work through this text together. Wounds inflicted by self hurt really bad because, number one, oftentimes they are the result of our own decisions. Moses saw these two men struggling, so he, he's taking a stroll through the Egyptian kingdom one day, and he looks off and he sees one of his people fighting with an Egyptian. And so as he sees this taking place, this passion wells up within him because Moses is a, is a patriotic man. Most of us are patriotic as Americans. We, we love our country, we love our own people, and we should. Moses, being a patriotic kind of guy, looks over there and sees his own people being mistreated in a bad way, and he sees them fighting with this Egyptian, and so he looks around, can I just tell y'all something? If you have to look around to see if anybody's watching before you do something, then you're probably about to do something that shouldn't be done. But Moses looks around, he makes sure nobody's watching, then he runs over there and he jumps on the Egyptian and he ends up killing the guy. And Moses didn't realize it in the moment, but he had just wounded himself in a way that was going to scar him for the rest of his life. He made a decision. He didn't realize it in the moment. And I think that's how it so often happens for us. In the moment, it seems okay. Let me say it again. In the moment, it seems okay. And so you make a decision to sleep with that person. Because in the moment, it seems okay. So you make a decision to jump in bed. You make a decision to take that hit. You make a decision to go to that party. You make a decision to click on that image because in the moment it seems okay. But what you don't realize in the moment is that you had just created a wound in your life that's going to scar you possibly forever because of a decision that you made. 
And that's what happened to Moses. But it doesn't just stop there. And these are why these wounds are so painful, because they build upon each other. So because you made a decision and it was a wrong one, guess what you got coming into your life now? Guilt. Moses hid the body. Did you see it? Go back to verse 12 with me for a second. He looked this way and that and seen no one. He struck down the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. Why did Moses have to hide the body? Because he was guilty of doing something that he should not have done. And can I just tell you something? Can I give you a little tidbit tonight? This is what guilt does. Guilt digs graves. Guilt digs graves. Graves by which we attempt to bury and hide the mistakes that we make. <laughs> you know, and there's no funeral. Nobody holds a funeral. There's no grave marker that shows that it's there. Nobody else sees it. Nobody else knows about it. You look around, you make the decision, it was a bad decision, now you're full of guilt, and so you start digging a grave. And you dig it down as deep as you can, and you attempt to bury that thing that you just did. And you don't hold a funeral service, you don't put a grave marker by it, because nobody sees it, and you don't want anybody to see it. Nobody knows about it, and you don't want anybody to know about it. But guess what? Every time you walk by, you know exactly where it's buried at. And so we make a decision that self-inflicts us with a wound, and then out of guilt, we bury our pain, we bury our wounds, and then we cover up the scar that it leaves. Some of y'all are here tonight, and you've got some serious pain in your life, but nobody would ever know it because you're so full of guilt, and you've dug a hole so deep and buried it so far down, you'd never let anybody see it. So you made a decision, and it was a wrong one. Now you've got a wound in your life, and that wound is being filled with the infection of guilt. But it doesn't stop there. It keeps building. So now on top of guilt, I've got fear. Go back to the text with me, verse 13. It says that when Moses went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. So at first it was an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. Now he walks out there and he finds two of his own people fighting each other. And he's like, what y'all doing, man? Why y'all fighting each other? And the guy responds to him and he says, who made you a prince and a judge over us? You mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh-oh. Somebody saw. Then Moses, afraid, thought surely the thing is known. So like Moses, we become filled with the fear that somebody will find out. Oh yeah, you buried it. You buried it as far down as you possibly could. You covered it up. You wear the long sleeves. You wear the long pants. You make sure that nobody will ever find it. But in the back of your mind is that twinge of fear that somebody might have seen or knows what you did. And so you walk around not only with the guilt of what happened, but the fear that somebody's going to find it out. That fear that the people that we love the most will be bitterly disappointed. That they will be fiercely angry with you. That they will be absolutely unforgiving of the failures that you've made. 
And so we sit here tonight, every single one of us, there's nobody that has escaped this, I promise you. There are people, every single one of us in here, sitting here with wounds tonight that have been self-inflicted. And you've got the scars to prove it. But there's a second category we can break this down in. And that's wounds inflicted by others. So flip back to Genesis chapter 37 with me. In Genesis 37, we're introduced to a young boy by the name of Joseph. Joseph was one of 12 brothers. And Joseph was the, the favorite of the family. Some of y'all might come from a family like that. There's a little bit of favoritism. Maybe you're not the most beloved sibling in the group. That was Joseph. He's like the number one guy. He was the daddy's boy. And so what you don't see at this point in the story is that Joseph, being the daddy's boy, had received from his dad a coat of many colors. Some of you might remember that story from your childhood days. If you're ever a part of a VBS or children's church or anything like that, you've probably been exposed to that story. So Joseph's dad comes and he offers him a coat of many colors, but that was a problem because the other 11 guys, they didn't get one. How many of you are familiar with sibling rivalry? <laughs> you know, everything looks good for the family picture on Easter, but behind the scenes, that's where the wounds are taking place. And so he gives this son of his the jacket, and all his brothers become envious of him. Well, if this, that's not enough. Joseph has a dream one day. And he goes and he tells his brothers about the dream. He says, hey guys, this is a crazy dream I had the other night. I had this dream that, that there were 12 sheaves. Y'all know what that is, right? I'm just going to assume you know what a sheaf is. Not really. It's a, it's a bundle of wheat. He says there's, there's 12 sheaves lying on the ground, and mine stands up. <laughs> crazy stuff. And then the other 11 bow down to it. Isn't that crazy? And so his brothers are like, <laughs> okay, Joseph, so what are you trying to say, bro? That you're going to rule over us one day? We're going to bow down to you? He's like, I'm just saying that's all I know. I had the dream. My sheep stood up. Y'all was bowing down to me. So I've got the coat of many colors. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe one day y'all going to bow to me. He just had a dream. And he told his brothers about it. And, and you know, there's no, we can't read anything into it. We don't have details saying if Joseph was gloating about it or anything like that. But, you know, he might have had a sin of sarcasm behind it. But I, I'm just saying, you know, like, Dad did give me the jacket. <laughs> you guys probably bow down to me one day like I'm, everybody knows I'm the favorite, so I don't know if that happened or not, but he told them the dream, which may not have been the best idea since their relationship was already on rocky ground as it was. And so in verse 12, this is where we enter the story. So follow along with me. Kind of a chunk of passage, but we're going to get it all in. Guys, where it says, Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. So many fun words in the Bible. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and he asked the man, What are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers. He said, Tell me, please, where are they pasturing their flock? And the man said, They have gone on. Way, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. And they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to, another one, to, to one another, here comes the dreamer. 
Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. We will see what will become of his dreams. Man, just feel the family love right now. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. Man, that was just the issue from the beginning, right? If his dad had never given him that robe, it would have probably been okay. The robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh, and on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh." And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Every single one of us have scars that have come as the result of wounds inflicted by other people in our lives. It's not what you did this time, it's what was done to you. It's that thing that family or friends have said to you. It's the physical, mental, emotional abuse that you have suffered from the hands of somebody else that has wounded you deeply, and now you wear the scars of that pain. It's that image that somebody who doesn't even really know you projected about you. Now you're wounded because of that. And you've got the scars to show it. And it wasn't your fault. You didn't ask for it to happen. You didn't do anything to provoke it. Sometimes people just wound people. And it wounded you and it hurt and now it has scarred you. And you can't look past it. Wounds inflicted by others carry a distinct pain as well because they often reveal intention. Look back in verse 18 real briefly with me. His brothers are sitting in the field and it says that when they saw him from afar and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him. We will see what will become of his dreams. So here we see how Joseph's brothers really feel about him at this point. They're conspiring to kill him. Now I know I've got a sister. There are times when you have sibling rivalry that runs so deep that you might hypothetically think, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill him. But you never mean it. I hope not. We can do some counseling afterwards if you need it, but these guys were serious. Here comes, the, here comes Dreamer Boy. Hey, Joseph, interpret this dream. Your sheep stood up and we cut it in half. <laughs> They're going to kill him. And they're dead serious about it. That's what makes this wound hurt so bad, right? When somehow you find out how people really feel about you. When that friendship wasn't as close as you thought it was. When somebody sends a text message to the wrong number. You know, the one in which they were talking about you and they actually sent it to you? Wounds. Scars. And it hurts because 
it shows to you how they really feel about you in those moments. Intentions hurt. But the other thing that's painful about the wounds that others inflict is not just the intention, it's the abandonment. Look at verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. They abandoned him. His own family abandoned him. Now, what I want to give you guys a little history lesson on is if you went and looked up the 12 tribes of Israel, you would find some very similar names to these brothers that we have here. Exactly the same. So these 12 guys formed the 12 tribes of Israel, God's chosen people, and they're booting their brother into a pit. Abandoning him. Hey, let's throw him in this pit and just leave him here. See what becomes of his dreams then. So he's been abandoned by the people that were supposed to love him the most. And that's what hurts about these wounds that others inflict upon you is that you feel this sense of abandonment from people that were supposed to love you the most in your life sometimes. But that's not the only part of it, right? Sometimes abandonment comes in this kind of form, that somebody did something to you that wounded you, that hurt you mortally. And you went to somebody and tried to tell them about it, and they told you that it's not that big a deal. You're just making a big deal. It's fine. You'll get over it. It wasn't really that bad. You're just kind of blowing it out of proportion. So it's not just that the people that you love abandon you in the sense that they just leave you behind. It's that you've been abandoned in the sense that people that you trust won't believe the things that you're trying to share. And so you feel abandoned by the people that are supposed to be on your team. I thought we were supposed to be best friends. I thought we could tell each other anything. And now I'm trying to be open and honest, and you're telling me to get over. You're telling me that it wasn't a big deal. I'm trying to tell you that my family member. I'm trying to tell you that the other night I was with this guy, and I didn't want to. I'm trying to tell you that I found out that somebody said this. And you're left behind. But I don't even know if that's the worst part of it. I think the worst part of this wound is that it leaves you feeling unvalued. Look at verse 28. It says, The Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. You know what the running price was for a normal slave during this time? Anywhere from 15 to 30 shekels. To his brothers, Joseph wasn't even the maximum price for a slave. And not that that really probably mattered to him all that much at this point. I mean, they had conspired to kill him. They threw him in a pit, and now they're selling him. He probably didn't really get upset about the fact that they weren't getting full value for him. But these wounds that people inflict upon your life, they hurt because you feel unvalued. Who would say something about you like that, right? How can people do such things to other human beings without having a significant undervaluing of their life and who they are as an individual and a person 
and the created image of God. So you're wounded because you feel unvalued because of these things that somebody else has done to you in your life. I'm not playing around with this stuff, guys. I'm dead serious with it. Some of us have got some deep, deep wounds and pain and scars in our life from things that we have done to ourselves, decisions that we have made, but also things that have been done to us. I told you I'm not trying to minimize the pain in your life. And I told you this wasn't going to be an exact fun message to deal with. But I want you to imagine the pain Joseph felt in his heart as he was taken away from his family. They kicked him into the pit. And then they pulled him up out of it and they bind his hands and they put him on the slave train headed to Egypt. Imagine the pain that he felt as his hands are bound and he's following these guys down the road and he turns around and he looks back. You don't see all the details in Scripture, but you can assume these are there. Tears streaming down his face wondering why his family is treating him like this. He's done nothing to deserve it. He's tried to be the best brother that he could and just because his dad played favorites with him, they hated him for it. They're selling him into slavery and with tears streaming down his face. He's turning around and he's looking back and he can't believe, is this actually happening to me? Is my own family selling me into slavery? Not knowing if we'll ever see him again. Not having a chance to tell his mom and dad goodbye. Or make a defense for himself. They gang up on him. They bind his hands. Throw him into slavery. He's hurt. He's got pain. I want you to imagine the pain Moses is feeling. As his decisions have caused him to distance himself from the people that he was most passionate about protecting. You ever been passionate about something? And then do something stupid that cost you your passion? Imagine the pain Moses is feeling as he realizes that the mistake that he has made has been found out by somebody. Imagine your deepest, darkest pain, your deepest, darkest wound that you buried deep down into the earth thinking nobody would ever find it, and then you walk by the burial site one day and somebody's doing this in it. Imagine the pain that you would feel knowing that people have found out the things that you have done. And now he's full of pain and he's hurt. And both of them have pain deep enough and wounds wide enough to leave them scarred for the rest of their life. What I'm trying to tell you is we've all got scars. You've got them in both areas. You've wounded yourself and you've got scars because of your decisions that you've made. And you're carrying around guilt and you're carrying around fear. Some of you have got scars because you've been wounded by other people, the things they've said about you, the things that they have said to you, or the things that they have done physically to you, emotionally to you, mentally to you. And you have been scarred for life because of those things. And honestly, I'm sick and tired of us being so high church that we just act like things don't hurt. You know in the video we played at the beginning? They're talking about their scars. But guess what you didn't hear any of them mention? How bad it hurt when they got them. I told you about the scars of my thumb, the the hook going through my hand. The knife that punctured my big toe. I never said anything about how bad it hurt. Because that's where we put the block up. 
People see a scar, they find one in their lives, and they ask us, to, hey, how'd you get that scar? And you tell them the story, but you don't tell them about the pain that went with it. Why? Because we don't act like we've been hurt. We think that we can't be vulnerable with each other. We'll come into church and we'll sing, welcome the healer in this place. And then we'll walk out still just as wounded as we came in. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. I really am. I'm tired of reading passages in Scripture, us memorizing passages in Scripture. I'm tired of us talking about James. If you'll confess your sins one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. But we don't get down to the real stuff. We'll talk about the surface level stuff. Oh man, I just, yeah, I've been struggling a little bit with some, with some lust. I've been struggling a little bit. I'm slacking on my quiet time. You know, we're trying to make it churchy. I haven't been reading my Bible as much as I said. I wish you guys would pray for me. But we don't talk about the stuff that really hurt us. We don't talk about the stuff that really left the deep scars in our lives. We keep them covered up. And I really think God wants to bring some healing, some real healing in some of your lives. But you're going to have to stop acting like it didn't hurt. And you're going to have to get real with the scars that you've got in your life. The story of our scars, though, they don't just end with the pain it caused. It continues with the story of 